After yesterday, I couldn't really explain what it was, but you reminded me what I love about music. Mm. And of course, we not know what we love about music, mm. but sometimes you get a new reminder and a new perspective. Although I know your music very well, mm. seeing your life was a revelation for me. So mm. to me, it feels like you've, you've cut so far into what I think is the essence of music, mm. stripped away all the unnecessary, unnecessary things. Mm. And this is something I, I admire. Mm. And I want to get that too. Mm. I want to get there too, mm. or get closer to that. Yeah, so I'm wondering, how do, you, <laughs> how do you go about <clears throat> that? I, I don't think it's a conscious uh, thing in a way. I think it's something that all musicians, uh, like in the beginning when you look at all the materials and the, that music has to offer, it's daunting. I mean, there are so many different ways to yeah. create music. And, <clears throat> and my favorite part of music is listening to it. Mm -hmm. And it's always been like that. Yeah. And I sort of, uh, I'm a big fan of music. Yeah. And I have always been. So I listen to music all the time. Yeah. And and playing music or writing music is something that grows out of that love for music and constantly looking for something that uh, inspires me. And this idea of, of trying to strip things down to something that's... Uh, has clarity, you know, because there's so much material to work with. And I came out of, uh, in, <clears throat> in the beginning I played in bands in Iceland, and it was a very spontaneous culture. We didn't have a lot of tradition. Right. And but my generation was kind of the second generation of people trying to play jazz, you know. And, yeah. <clears throat> and at the time in Iceland in the early 80s, it was difficult to learn. There wasn't really any anybody. You just had to buy records and buy downbeat or and, and listen to music from the States and Europe. So I decided to go to to America to study. Mm. And uh, and at that point, I just wanted to learn. I didn't really have any specific ideas about what I wanted to do as a musician or even if I wanted to become a musician I just really enjoyed listening to music and so I went through all this uh, jazz repertoire and learning bebop and this kind of mm. <clears throat> but when it came to uh, actually playing that music I, I, I wanted to to create something that felt closer to where I came from, right. and uh, some of the collaborations at, in the beginning, like with Oscar Guedonson, helped that uh, to find that. Mm. For, uh, for how long have you been like, playing with him? We started playing maybe 20 years ago. Wow, yeah. And, yeah. So maybe, yeah, and then this idea of this area project it was more based on the people that I was working with in different situations. I was working with Evan Kang and I was working with Hildur Gunnardotter and Johan Johansson and all these different people. And, and at the time we were just trying to figure out like, what do we want to do with music? 
And I thought that internal conversation and that culture of, of, of friendship was headed somewhere. And yeah. I wanted to work with that, and that was the idea of the Sharia music. Yeah. Not to put a band together, but to create a community and trying out things. It was more like a workshop, yeah. uh, in a way. Let's spend some time together and, and, and keep searching for, right. for parts and things like that. And that's still very important to me, the, the process. Yeah. Because we're all surrounded by other musicians and there are conversations and people are listening to different things and sharing things people like. And mm. You see, that, that kind of activity I was interested in. Yeah. Letting the music sort of guide the way instead of saying, okay, this is what I want to make. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But it also takes into account the influence of the people so much, yeah? So yeah, yeah. you get somebody like Olof, <clears throat> yeah. and she will take the music in a direction just by being who she is. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Mm. But that's also, um, that also takes courage, I think, from you to, to let go of any thoughts, of preconceived thoughts, mm. right? Yeah, it's, it's more like trust. Trusting it or right. letting things happen and, and not controlling things too much. Mm. Is that maybe also a way to get more to the essence or to the core, or just the, the, of the music, <clears throat> of the material also? <clears throat> Trusting? I th yeah, I think so. And I mean, we all have experiences in different situations in music making. Some situations are highly organized and some are not, and I had experiences in playing in rock bands, and I always enjoyed that kind of, uh, the culture of that. Mm -hmm. You know, people wouldn't <clears throat> necessarily come into a rehearsal with a fully realized piece of music, Yeah. but then people would just start playing without talking, mm -hmm. and then some days later something magical would happen right. without any kind of control. And, and so that was always a model for me in mm -hmm. any kind of situation. And I felt in the in the contemporary music and, and jazz situations, it was a bit more, sometimes more organized. You know, mm -hmm. There was a leader with the, the arrangements. And I also enjoy that way of working. And sometimes that's very successful and the only way to realize a specific thing. Yeah. And I had experienced that with people like Ben Monder, or, where he would come in with these amazing compositions. And Fully realized. All, all you had to yeah. do was just to have enough time to figure out how to play it. Right, yeah. And so I enjoy like all, all these kind of different operations and different ways of making music. Mm. Yeah, talking about Ben Monda, I'm, mm. I'm very curious about mm. how, how it was for you to, to work with him in various mm. configurations, learning his music, what your process was learning, mm. because it's so complicated also what he writes at times. Yeah. Um, can you share some memories and, and how you went about figuring out this music? Uh, for me it was quite difficult, you know, because of the complexity. I had to spend a lot of time mm. just learning the parts and, and finding ways to make music with that density and complexity speak as, as music, you know. Mm. I had had some <clears throat> experiences with complex music before because I worked with Alan Holdsworth for many years right. and 
there was a lot of uh, complexity in his music, but the process was completely different because he never like wrote out his music. He would just play it for people. So everybody had a different way to get into it. Like right. people would have different, you know, somebody would write a charge, then they would look completely different from another member in the band. Yeah. Because he would write all the music just rubato, and then he would quantize it in any way where the harmony would need to stay for, you know, yeah. eight beats or thirty beats or whatever. Gary Hasman told me about this. Yeah, and and I always I enjoyed that, even mm -hmm. though it was difficult to yeah. to figure out. But the final result was very free and open mm -hmm. because everybody had to find their own way into the complexity of the music and and totally internalize it. Mm. Who was the bassist before you in Alan Holdsworth's band? It was the, the greatest, you know, Jimmy Johnson. Was Jimmy? Yeah. 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 So did he give you some advice, <clears throat> you know, he was stepping very, into his He toes? was very supportive and, yeah, he did. But there wasn't really any kind of a... Because Alan just wanted to hire some personalities and said, you know, just play the way you play. And he would never, ever tell anybody what to do. <laughs> so he trusted people and there was a lot of responsibility. Yeah. And yeah. So that experience was important to me because I, I had listened to his music and I had no idea that it was put together that way. And then finally when you get into it and you figure it out, then it's, it makes a lot of sense. Uh -huh. And then bringing that experience into the music of Ben Monder, which is even, I mean, it's more organized and he writes these beautiful arrangements and bass lines and all of mm -hmm. that. Alan would never write out bass lines, but so I was kind of uh, interested early on to be open to all these different experiences and then trying to bring it into my own music or the way I just letting all these different experiences sort of guide the way mm. how to be a musician. Yeah. Learning from each one of them, and they're all completely different. They all have different discipline, and the complexity moves from <clears throat> sometimes it's in the music and sometimes it's in a different place. Mm. You see? Like, so I think like ha having that kind of uh, opportunity to work with so many different types of musicians is uh, what, what I'm still doing, mm -hmm. just like that, and that's what I enjoy about being a musician. It's like, right. okay, where is this phenomenon going to take me mm -hmm. next? And because it lives, you know, the, all this music lives with personalities and communities and friendships and yeah. conversations. And mm. So, what I assumed or also heard from Gary Husband about Alan Holdsworth's music, mm. that there weren't any bass parts, there weren't even any bass notes no. at times. So you had to you find... Could, yeah, you could choose wherever you want to put the tonic or whatever note you're playing. Or, I mean, he was interested in, in this kind of... Uh, I mean, the counterpoint that's happening rhythmically and, and harmonically is just depends on where people are are going, you mm -hmm. know, and 
So that that's the center of that music. Mm-hmm. So you become an arranger, and this happens obviously in any type of music situation. Mm. It's a big part of being a musician. It's like counterpoint and arranging. Instant arranging. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So how much did songs change after a while? Because you figured out new bass Yeah, notes. they would change every night. Every night, yeah. yeah. So a journey of a song might take a couple of years. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And he would bring in a song at a sound check and then people would slowly learn it and then we would maybe play it a few weeks later. So he would just so. play it for you, repeat yeah. it repeatedly, yeah. and you had to find... Yeah. So, how good were your ears when you started playing with him? Mm. To to figure out this. Yeah. How how well, do you? No, that that was. I mean, it was like um, going to uh, school. And yeah. Like f- figuring out because the harmonies are not traditional diatonic harmonies. That's why I'm asking. Like there are scales <laughs> that have nine notes and. Yeah. Yeah, I learned a lot from that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. Mm. So, yesterday I talked to your guitar player and mm-hmm. I asked him, how do you mm. show your music? Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you teach your music to your mm. to your band? <clears throat> and he told me that similar approach, mm-hmm. uh, that you sometimes give out cheap music, but usually later in the process. Yeah. After having played the music for mm-hmm. for the guys before. Yeah. So it informed the way you yeah. you go about uh, music. I prefer that way of working. Yeah. And with Oscar, it's, we never write out anything. I was asking mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. who was I talking? I think to Christian Wust, mm-hmm. a Danish uh, um, saxophone player, and he was mm-hmm. in touch with Oscar, I think. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Can you give me some sheet music by mm-hmm. the duo? Because mm-hmm. I, I love this duo so mm-hmm. much." And yeah, I'll ask him. Mm. And then he was like, yeah, Oscar got back to me. There's no sheet music. Yeah, no. <laughs> wow. Not for that particular project. Yeah, it's beautiful. And we want to keep it like that. Yeah, it's a con- conscious decision. Yeah. Mm. And also because of the way we work together, it's not a situation where we... Like some situations, you have two days to make a record or, mm-hmm. and you have to learn a lot of music quickly. But in, in the case of me and Oscar, we, we see each other all the time, we play. You get together and... and just to play. Yeah. And, and so that's a luxury to have that kind of relationship mm. with another musician, where you don't have to like learn all the music and then go into the studio. Mm. It's, so does more, it's more like a part of life, you know. Like, yeah. What do you think of this idea? And then, yeah, we can maybe do something with this. And, mm-hmm. I'd love to yeah, see no, this tomorrow. sometimes, <laughs> you know, mm. uh, how do you say it, be a fly on a wall mm. uh, when you guys rehearse and get together the mm. music. Um, a lot of music is put together like that. You know? Yeah. And it's a different experience for the player. You find a different way into the music. Mm. And ultimately the result is more maybe freer. And personal. Yeah. Because you get somebody's very personal reaction to what that guy yeah. is hearing mm-hmm. and then they, there's a decision yeah. or a feeling mm-hmm. that is closely and also there's no other sense in between when you have yeah. the sense of the, yeah, the that, visual sense yeah. you know and it also might remove some of your habits of like when you see a chart 
Yeah. You might instantly like go into, okay, yeah, I know how this works. Yeah. But without the charge, it's like, what is it? Yeah. How can I approach it? And sometimes you might <clears throat> misunderstand it, and out of that, something good happens. This is exactly mm. what happened when uh, I just recorded a CD mm. with my trio and this Brazilian guitar player I told mm -hmm. you about, Nelson Vieras. And he learns like that, mm -hmm. uh, mostly like that. He says he's a horrible reader, mm -hmm. which isn't completely true, mm -hmm. but um, yeah. he learns he more. Prefers yeah, he prefers. Yeah, he prefers. So I, obviously, I sent him the sheet music, but also demos. I, mm -hmm. I played it at home for him. Tried to play the music as as complete as possible. Mm -hmm. And um, when we then got into the studio and re recorded the songs, I noticed that at some moments. He would play stuff that isn't written in the music. Mm -hmm. That was uh, uh, sometimes an upbeat that I played to another note or mm -hmm. a mistake. Mm -hmm. And it comes every time. Makes, yeah. it, every time yeah. we play the head, it's there. Yeah. It's it became his, part of the it's music. Yeah. <laughs> it became part of the music. Yeah. And um, you can rely on it. Yeah. You can rely on it more than somebody reading it, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. And and it makes it more personal, it mm -hmm. makes us connect more in mm -hmm. a way. And yeah. So I really I really like that process. Yeah. I would love to be able to have more relationships like that mm -hmm. where you see somebody as you as you mm -hmm. told me about Oscar, you see him mm -hmm. very often. Mm -hmm. And then you can have that kind of relationship. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think these kind of uh Activities have been, you know, part of music from the beginning, and that's how music came about. Like mm. this, this need of people communicating and playing together. Sure. Mm. And I always liked this uh, when Derek Bailey used to refer to music as playing. He, yeah. He never would use any other term for music. Mm. It's playing. <laughs> it's the same in German. We say mm. Spiel, mm -hmm. which is also game. Yeah. And and it, mm -hmm. also it can make, take on a very childish, mm -hmm. childlike connotation. That mm -hmm. word spielen, yeah, it's playing, good. yeah, that's good. And it helps sometimes to preserve to, the inner child. Also. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. So yeah, maybe you could tell me a little bit about your process when you compose. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's kind of uh, <clears throat> in a way similar that you realize early on that becoming a musician means that you have to spend a lot of time alone with your instrument, mm. <clears throat> which is a part of uh, music that I also really enjoy. Just the, the solitary, just being yeah. alone with your instrument, playing. Yeah. And, and the fact that you keep doing that for decades mm -hmm. is in itself quite astonishing and fascinating yeah. and beautiful mm -hmm. that all these people are just like get up in the morning and they pick up their instrument and they play You're all alone all the like, time all throughout yeah. their lives yeah it's true and it <clears throat> and I always like once you realize okay if I want to become a musician I have to enjoy like that aspect of it mm -hmm. being alone with your instrument and mm. and and everything comes out of that, compositions mm -hmm. or new ideas about techniques or new harmonies or these kind of things. Yeah. So that, that, that's how my music sort of, it comes out of that, mm -hmm. just playing things and, and discovering something and mm. maybe this is a, maybe this is something that could turn into a composition. Mm -hmm. 
Do you sometimes? Like, it's never really. I, I don't do much of like composing. You know, like sitting down now. I have to compose. It's just good. You know? About to ask. Yeah. 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 So never. So, I mean, with, sometimes with I do have pen and paper. Just sometimes, but mostly yeah. with an instrument. Sometimes also piano or something else. Yeah, different. Uh, another thing. Because in the beginning, I, I I was fascinated by the electric bass, because at the time in the early '80s, it was like it was at the height of Jaco and yeah, and you know. <laughs> Did you ever see him live? No, no. But that you know had a huge impact on me. Mm -hmm. And then when I went to um, to America to study. A lot of my teachers, they would encourage me to play acoustic bass, and they said, you know, the electric bass is not really a real instrument, and, right. and why don't you play acoustic bass? If you want to play jazz, you have to play acoustic bass. And that sort of made me feel... I mean, I, I started appreciating the electric bass even more because right. of that. And I was like, oh, here's an instrument that is has a beautiful tone and lots of possibilities. It's a fairly new instrument mm -hmm. and I wanted to spend time with that yeah. instrument and sort of say, okay, you can make music on this instrument. Mm -hmm. And also the the lack of history because you didn't like my friends playing tenor saxophone, they had this like Coltrane and yeah. like all this. Sure. And with the electric bass, it was more like an open canvas. Yeah. And I was uh, fascinated by that, mm. so I, I decided not to play acoustic bass at all. <laughs> you never, you never did. Not really, but no. I did, did have like when I was in Iceland studying music, I had to study acoustic bass just right. to to go through the school. Mm -hmm. But in a, yeah. But you played so, the acoustic yeah, bass yeah, guitar. Yeah. That, yeah. When you, yeah. Yeah. But never the upright. Yeah. But then when I got deeper into playing the electric bass, I. It's a guitar, and then I started investigating the guitar. Like, what, what is that instrument, and mm. what is the history of that instrument? And then you go all the way back to Baroque music, right. and and the history of the lute, and the, yeah. and going to Africa and the oud, and and then all the other string instruments, the sitar, and mm -hmm. so I, in a way, started looking at my instrument. Like, I'm I'm playing a guitar. In a low register, yeah, and there are lots of other guitars, mm -hmm. and I started looking into all the different possibilities on the lute and the oud, how people play those instruments, and incorporating that into my playing. Mm. Like just, it's all the same instrument. Mm. You're plucking a string. Yeah, yeah, you're plucking a string, and. So a lot of my music uh, comes out of that. Mm. It's composed on on different string instruments, not necessarily the bass. Yeah. Did you talk to other electric bass players about that phenomenon? Yeah, I did. There are quite a few bass players that I know that have a similar approach. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, Like Bjorn Meyer, the mm -hmm. bass player from Sweden, who yeah, they they don't necessarily look at the bass as like okay, here's the electric bass, it's just a guitar. Yeah. You know. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
Um, I have a few specific tunes in mind. Uh, from that duo record with Oscar, the first one, mm. this is one you started out. I want yeah, to know the history of that song. That, yeah, that's a good example of something that came out of, of that, just mm. playing, playing the guitar and then, yeah, I, I don't know what else to say <laughs> about that. Yeah, it's just, I mean, the, the, the idea behind that record was, because I was living in New York and Oscar was in Iceland and he contacted me about making a record and, and I, and I thought, why, why should we make a record, you know, like, do we have any music or, mm -hmm. and I just said it in, in my, for myself, just how could we make music that is uh, grounded in, in something real, you know, and we, at that point we didn't really have, we didn't know each other that well and, and then I <clears throat> started thinking about this and, and, and then I realized I had written music for different occasions, like for a wedding or a funeral or mm -hmm. when somebody, a child is born or whatever, you know, and, and I thought, okay, this might be an interesting um, idea for yeah. for Oscar. So I called him up and I asked him, did you ever write any music for any specific occasions, family occasions? And he said, yeah, I have. Mm. And I said, why don't we uh, collect those songs that we have written in, in that situation and mm. see what we have? And it turned out to be like the basis of that record. Yeah. Mm. Now the cover yeah. makes more sense to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What does the title mean? Um, after thought it means after silence. Okay. Mm. Who did I? Yeah, I, I think I mentioned this in an, another interview where it came to my mind that mm. somebody says that a solo usually starts with silence, mm -hmm. and then you feel that silence. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That makes me yeah. think of that yeah. that title yeah. after silence. Yeah, it was just this idea of like, you know, like we all agree on the most beautiful part of music is silence. <laughs> <laughs> and then there was something in that music, it was quite minimal and it was very personal. And, yeah. and I thought, you know, it comes, grows out of silence, mm -hmm. you know. How did you work on um, another one of my favorite songs from, from Ben, from Ben Monda, is <clears throat> on excavation, it's Ellenville. Mm. You know, I think it's oh, in, yeah. is it, I think it's in 11 and mm -hmm. you know, play an amazing solo mm. over that. And mm. it's so fluid mm. and so melodic, mm. but you're playing through complicated changes and mm. obviously a complicated mm. meter. Mm. So I was wondering how you <clears> arrived <throat> or got closer to being mm. so fluid over something that's complex mm. like that. I think maybe that, I mean, we spoke about experiences and how how you you just try to be a better musician by playing with people and <clears throat> my early years in New York I was extremely fortunate because I I had met Jim Black and Chris Beat <clears throat> in Boston and at some point Chris Beat goes to Bulgaria he comes back with a cassette with Balkan music mm. and he plays it for us and we're like 
wow, this is the most beautiful music mm -hmm. ever. And and it's all in these odd meters and people play so freely over it. And, mm -hmm. and it, at no point does it sound like anybody is counting any beats. And yes. they're just playing. And so we basically spent days and days and days learning that music. And again, early on, because none of us was like in a, you know, touring or, or that, you know, we had so much free time to play music. And we would just get together and play and learn that music, even mm. though it was not, at that point, based on any kind of a... Well, it was the beginning of that band called Patsura. Yeah. That started out just, you know, loving that music. What was first, and, the, and, the and band or the, the tape? The, it all started with that tape. And then Jim and Brad Zepik and Chris started Pachora and then they asked me to join. Right. So I think that helped me understand the, the long cycles and, and rhythmic thinking. Mm -hmm. and, and, and Chris and Jim were extremely generous, like helping me understand that. And, and Chris had a particularly deep understanding of that. Yeah. What were some like, of like, the lessons like, that, that, that you maybe that really helped you next to just playing in it, that music it, well mostly just playing it and, and asking Chris like how do you do that yeah so what did but you like, say and, and I, like well it's all about like understanding polyrhythms and, mm. and and not counting like all the subdivisions and, yeah. and creating long cycles and different cycles mm. and, and it was the the best way to learn how to do that because you can obviously approach that in many different ways. You mm -hmm. can just sit down with a metronome and try to figure it out. Mm. But to do it in that kind of situation with this beautiful music, you know, like, and, and learning it that way, I think it became more internalized. Right. And then sort of using that in a completely different situation, like you mentioned with Ben. Mm. So that, that helped a lot. I see. That, yeah. And then in terms of like complicated harmonies, that came from different, I mean, from Alan Holdsworth maybe, mm -hmm. or finding out ways to play, improvise over complex harmonic. Did you, oh, did you sometimes talk about that? Tell Alan, you, Alan? Yeah? No. No. Not at all. You didn't ask him, or no? I mean, he—it was always just about playing, mm -hmm. and everything that needed to be said was in the music. Yeah, <laughs> oh. I see. Yeah. Or approach like his thing was. His playing was on such high level. Like I mean, I I just felt like a complete beginner every every time I played with him. <laughs> you know, like. <laughs> Even if you had the best night of your life and mm. you felt like, oh wow, I really felt free and mm. this evening and like next to him it was like just that the toddler. <laughs> yeah, just at the like you know looking at a mountain and like, mm. okay. <laughs> and and that's a great and I think we all learn from that. That just the to be truly humble next to somebody like that and to say, like, I'm never going to be able to do that, mm. but at least I can... Try. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or try to absorb. Of, yeah. 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 
How does it feel to play with Gary Husband? Oh, amazing. He's a, one of those uh, complete musicians with a phenomenal understanding of music, mm. both harmonically and rhythmically. Yeah. So, well, it was the same thing, you know, like he was able to play so musically and freely. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I was so young when I was playing with Alan. And mm. So I was constantly just like in awe. <laughs> yeah. How was it? Um, how was it different when you went into the studio with Alan? Was it or was it different? Like no. next to playing live, or was it like taking the rope band into the studio and just playing? No, it was. It was always just about the playing. Yeah. Yeah, and and when we did go into the studio, we had played the music quite a bit. I did some tracks with him, just the two of us. It was more like there's one track on on Hartat area, yeah. and he had created a track, and he wow. asked me to play bass on that, and mm. that was a different situation. Mm. But yeah. uh, all the other experiences were just like playing a show. Yeah. It was a, it was like playing live music. On the way here, I was listening to low levels, high mm. stakes. Mm. What an amazing, mm. what an amazing track with mm. another great mm. bass solo. Mm. Wow. Thank you. What is what is your process these days? I mean, what are you working on, and and uh, yeah, in terms of practicing or stuff that you're checking out at the moment. Mm. It depends. I just uh, when I was living in New York, I was touring a lot, and early on, like touring with Alan, and then with with Chris Beat and Jim and all these different bands. So I was constantly playing, and now I'm living in Iceland, so I'm not playing quite as much. Mm. So I'm doing more composing and recording and pr practicing and doing different things and teaching. Mm. So my process is a little bit different mm -hmm. because back then I was constantly involved in a project and having to learn new music or getting ready for a tour and something like that. And I enjoy this kind of different, uh, different activities in music. Like I, I never really ha had an idea of like, oh, I'm a, I'm a jazz bass player and this is what I do. I'm mm -hmm. more like, I enjoy music, I love listening to it and I love playing it. Mm -hmm. and, and now this is happening in my life, so this mm -hmm. is what I'm doing in music. So it's not really a... Do you understand like what, what like it's more yeah. like I'm just like and then I started this performance space in Iceland and so I'm really enjoying that kind of work mm. like not playing but just listening to other people play <laughs> yeah you're enabling music mm. Mm. without playing it, but yeah, still, yeah. when you're playing you're enabling music yeah. as well but it's the same thing yeah yeah composing is one way of doing it or playing is one right. way of doing it and then teaching is another one and then It goes back Or to organizing the, gigs is another way. I mean, there are so many beautiful ways of being inside of music. Right. I mean, it's like a whole life system. It was Olaf. Oh. <laughs> I think it goes back to what you said <clears throat> before that you're mm. just a lover of music. Mm. You love yeah, listening yeah. to music. Yeah, yeah. So that's another way to, yeah. to make that happen. Yeah. I want to get back to Zeria um, mm. because. 
uh, I'm wondering what the process is when you record mm. something like that. Mm. How, how many tracks does it start with? Or is it everything that's on the record was in the studio together? Or did no, you sometimes and, go... And, yeah, there, there quite a bit. Uh, both those records involve quite a bit of uh, like uh, overdubbing and things like that. Yeah. So, yeah. So I'm mo most of the tracks. What I'm wondering about mm -hmm. is uh, your process of listening to something and then mm -hmm. going, it's not complete yet. I need this or I need this, you know? Yeah. yeah. A very important person in, in, in that and, and in, in my musical life is Anthony Burr, mm. the Australian uh, uh, clarinet player. And he has, and we've made music together for many, many years, and we've made duo records, and and he was a big part of that mm -hmm. uh, process. He helped creating that music with me. So, and and the layers on 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 those recordings, it's it's quite dense. I mean, there are lot like Hilton is playing multiple cellos and Evan Kang is playing multiple violas and yeah. Anthony Burr is playing multiple clarinets and so I <clears throat> was interested in in making this kind of music that didn't really have any kind of a because I'm not a singer mm -hmm. <laughs> and I just wanted to have multiple layers of, of counterpoint and none of them was really like taking the lead Mm -hmm. And the listener can sort of choose who is telling the story. Like is, it, yeah. is it the alto or the tenor or the soprano, mm -hmm. whatever? So, so that, that that's one idea behind that music. Mm. So I'm playing lots of different guitars and basses on one track, and yeah. So, so there's yeah more overdubs on, on those recordings mm -hmm. than other things that I've done. I'm always noticing yeah. new things you know, mm. when I listen to it. Mm. And also, once I start a song of, of your music, mm. Syria or the duo, I'm never in my mind, I'm never in a tiny space. Mm. I'm always in a big landscape. Mm. The moment you start playing, mm. I'm somewhere mm. on a big field mm. or whatever. Mm. Does it happen to you too? That, or is this something that is in your mind? You have a visual thing going on sometimes when you play. Not, not necessarily. Mm -hmm. But yeah. But there is something about. I mean, in Iceland, you can see quite far. Like wherever you are, you can see the mountains in, from a distance. Yeah. Like living in New York, you could just see the next building. Mm -hmm. and, Maybe that's the difference between yeah that kind of yeah that was my assumption mm. um, yeah but that's really that really shows me the power of your music mm. that it immediately transports me somewhere else mm. and that's very rare mm. I mean that's very it's quite an uh, accomplishment mm. <laughs> I think well there's yeah it's something. I mean, music does so many things, you know, it right. take, brings you into different spaces and yeah. mm -hmm. so I, I, I don't necessarily think visually when I make music or I don't think of like landscape or anything no. like that, it's just, 
music is <laughs> just in itself a whole universe. You know? Right. But, uh, disconnected from anything, you know. Mm -hmm. There's so much in in that just the phenomenon of music. Mm. When I see you play, or yesterday when I saw you play, there's a sense of relaxation mm. in in your whole body. Mm. So, also a breathing element. I can mm. see it in mm. um, in the way you hold your instrument, way, mm. the way you mm. kind of move. Mm. Um, was it always like that? Um, starting from a relaxed um, body feeling mm. or relaxed state of playing? Mm. Why did you have to work towards that? I Yeah, I've never really thought of it, but I think, yeah, I would say working towards that or letting the music take you to that place and then mm -hmm. thanking the music for having done that. Mm. So, <clears throat> like music does that, if you allow it to to lead the way, it, mm -hmm. it, it takes you to a place, and then like, oh, maybe, maybe this is happening now. And mm -hmm. <clears throat> but it comes through the music, like like mm. the music is guiding all of this. The music like, is guiding like, your your mm. way of moving. You mean? Yeah, I think so. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like it's not a conscious decision of like I want to make music that but it, it just happens I think. Mm. Mm -hmm. It happens connects <clears throat> me to what Steve Swallow said when mm. I talked to him. He said music happens to you. Yeah. The exactly. changes happen to yeah, you. Yeah. A song yeah, happens yeah, yeah, to you. Yeah. I really relate to that. Yeah. Allowing the music to do that. Mm -hmm. Just saying like okay. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna follow you. Just lead the way. Yeah. <laughs>